When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Giants Playoff Preview Live, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar on the fan. Jones takes the snap, rolls right, shovel pass for Barkley. Barkley in for the two-point conversion. The New York Giants have come to London and rang the bell of the Green Bay Packers, 27-22. Fires it to the end zone, it's caught at the one-yard line. Giants stand him up, he's not in, and the game's going to run out. The Giants stopped him at the one-yard line. The home of New York Giants football is WFAN. Brian Dable pumping his fist to the crowd. There it is. The final score, the Giants 38, the Colts 10, and the Giants will make it to the postseason as the sixth seed. Here's Bob Papa, Carl Banks, and Tiki Barber. Hey, good evening, everyone. We welcome you to the Blue Owl House here in New Jersey. Bob Popo along with Carl Banks. Tiki will join us momentarily. Giants Playoff Preview Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero. Never tasted so good. We got a big show lined up for you from the Blue Owl House here in Riverdale, New Jersey. We've got, uh, we're live until 9 p.m. Eastern. Here on WFAM, we're going to talk about the Giants and the Vikings. We're going to be joined on the phone momentarily by Giants defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. Giants wide receiver, Darius Slayton, is going to join us via the telephone. We'll also talk via the telephone with Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. And uh, we're waiting Tiki's grand arrival. But uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, Carl Banks. How cool is it to be back in the playoffs finally? I think it's awesome, and I think it's awesome with these great fans here that showed up here at the Blue L House. How about it, huh? Listen, it, you know, the playoffs and the Giants have not been synonymous for almost eight years. And this is, is the energy around this team. Uh, the fans have been just incredible all season long because, you know, Bob and I talked – earlier this year and I say I said MetLife has been an Airbnb for opposing teams over the last two years right around Halloween it was filled with opposing fans and you know Giants fans showed up and showed out this year and I think uh, I know they made you guys made such a great difference so we're going to talk about that but one of the guys that's been a key component to all of that the wizard the Wizard himself. I know that he would feel very comfortable in this environment here at the Blue Ale yes, House he would. if he wasn't working right now, working on a game plan to deal with the Minnesota Vikings. But joining us right now on the guest line, the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, Wink Martindale. Coach, Bob Papa, Carl Banks, thanks for a couple minutes this morning. What are we pouring you if you were here? 
Well, I tell you what, I'd love to be there. Eat some wings and have some beers with you all. And with the great <laughs> there already. So, uh, but uh, we're busy here with Minnesota. Coach, uh, thanks for, for having us on. And we talk a lot about just the job that your staff has done in preparing players and not taking anything for granted because you've had a lot of injuries on defense, but it's one play after the next. It's not let's get in the tank if they give up a big play. It seems as though your team is so, has been so resilient that until they get in the end zone, they're going to find a way to try to get a stop. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that, you know, that started early on here. You know, when you, when you can build up trust between uh, teammates and coaches and, and you know, and, and understand that, you know, there's going to be mistakes made. We just want to get the, the opponent down on the ground to give us another uh, chance to play, um, you know, and just play relentless effort for 60 minutes, and, and we're just not going to flinch. But uh, you know, it also builds confidence that anybody getting off the bus, anybody getting off the bus is going to hit the quarterback, and anybody that's getting off the bus obviously is going to be able to play some defense for us. But it's just you know the power of positivity of how we attack each day, how we attack each play, how we attack each practice, and um, you know I think it's worked out really well for us. Coach Cordell Flott, uh, draft choice of you guys. Hadn't seen the field a lot, and he had to go out there and go against one of the league's best receivers, and he proved that, you know, the game wasn't too big for him. And, you know, you guys have to be impressed with how he competed and encouraged that if you need him for some things that he's going to be there for you. That's what I, you know, I said to that earlier call about, uh, you know, I think we're just starting to catch our stride, or you know, and, and we've, we've built a playoff defense, and you're exactly right about Cordell because, you know, he, he's been playing well of late. Uh, you know, early on he had some injury issues. If you remember preseason and, like, the first six games, it seemed like we couldn't even get him to a complete game because uh, he had some injuries. And he's, he's finally healthy. Uh, he's in the groove. And uh, it's just uh, it's, it's been fun to watch with the guy. And uh, like you said, he's been proven. And, um, you know, there's just a great alignment between them coaching and scouting and we all knew that he was a giant you know and there's just you know great organizational alignment with that and I'm I'm really happy for the guy. Coach um, obviously you played the Vikings just a short time ago you get another chance to play him you know for all those years that I did boxing um, you know a lot of times you get in a fight and a guy will say hey you know what I needed to feel his punch you guys went against Justin Jefferson who had a record-setting year Thielen's an unbelievable player. Hawkinson's a fantastic player. Um, even Osborne, the other wide receiver, Dalvin Cook. How important is it that you got a chance, your players got a chance to sort of feel their punch, and now you get a second shot at them? Because some of the guys and what they do, you can't really replicate in practice what Justin Jefferson does, but your guys got a chance to get a taste of it. Is that beneficial here moving forward? I think so, Bob. You know, you know, I have great respect for Kevin and 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 and, and the quarterback uh, uh, and just how they operate that offense. But you just listed off all their talent on offense, and it's a great challenge. I think um, you know, there, there's two things come to mind when you're asking me the question: is, is we definitely know the pace of the game when you play them, you know, 
and and what I was thinking when you were talking about taking punches and throwing punches, I think any time you get in a fight, you walk into that fight and you're afraid to get hit, you're going to the wrong fight. So, you know, you just better be ready to go, you know, go hit them and, and know that there's going to be times that they hit you, you know. So, but it's going to be exciting, you know, and I'm excited for this playoff atmosphere. You know, we have great fans. I know they're going to travel. But it's going to be like going to an old school boxing match, you know, at one of those packed arenas. The Cinderella Man, you know, if, if you, you saw that movie, yeah. uh, you know, that was a, a, it's a very similar situation to what you're talking about. Coach, obviously, you know, they had some success against you. You had success against them in that back-and-forth game. Um, yeah. You know, preparing for wrinkles. I mean, just talk about what the process is as you go through trying to figure out what they may try to adjust and do differently since you played them so recently. Well, I think that, you know, that, that that's a two-way street. I think they're, they're trying to prepare for our wrinkles, too, because they know that as multiple as we are, you know, and you, you all have seen that firsthand, they, they're not expecting, you know, they don't know what to expect from us either. So, you know, there's, I'm sure that they've seen some things that they liked. Um, you know, they might spread out formations more. You know, they might condense them more. You know, you just got to see the, you know, the field, you know, the field, the game, how it starts off, uh, because that'll tell you a lot. But we have a coaching staff that, you know, they, they turn over every stone. They go back and watch everything. They go back and watch repeat games, you know, all year of what they do or, or you know, what they might try to get to. So we're, we're, we feel very confident about that. Coach, just talk about um, the importance of football IQ for your players because, you know, Carl and I have talked about it a lot. You guys have taken guys off the scrap heap. You have guys that have been here, guys that have been draft picks. You, you've had to use, because of injury, a lot of different people and be resourceful. To play in your defense, what's the most important characteristics in order to be a, a player that can be productive in what you ask them to do? Well, I, I think the requirement is, is is you play to play here is that you play hard. All right, are you smart and do you love this game? And I, I think that we've been hitting on those type of players. They play hard. They're smart. It's positionless defense. I've said that many times in my press conference that we can put people in positions to succeed because we know what they their their strengths and weaknesses are. And, and, oh, by the way, you know, you know those guys that are smart and, and play hard and, and love this game, do you like hitting the quarterback? Because that that's, might be the number one thing that, that I'm looking for when they, you know, when they get here is, is, you know, we've had, I think this year we've had uh, 19, 19 different guys sack the quarterback and plenty of more than that that, that that's hit the quarterback. So, uh, just in this season alone, we've had 19 different guys. I think we're over, you know, right at 40 or 42 sacks total. But uh, and you know the guys that had a good year with Dex and those guys. But um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's it's fun to go someplace and and, and build something. Uh, you know, with the foundation that Dave and Joe established here, and it's it's you know defensively, it's fun for us and our staff. Um, you know, build it from the ground up. And, and coach, this is my last question because I know you got to get back to work here. You talked about the connectivity with the coaches and the players, and Bob talked about some of the guys that weren't even in camp with you. The connectivity with the front office, the coaching staff, and the culture of what you guys are building seems to be in sync as well because the players they give you 
you guys can you feel comfortable putting them in there and just just coaching them up because they 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 kind of check the boxes of your prerequisites. Right, right. And you know the thing of it is here too. This is you know this is a, 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 our first year here, and it's a different setup. Usually, you know the, the places I've been before, personnel's on the other side of the building. Here, personnel's right over here with the coaching staff. So I, I think that builds a chemistry right there in itself that I really enjoy. And, uh, you know, if you have a question uh, and, and you want to go ask the general manager, he's just right down the hallway and he's always wow. got an open door, you know. But, um, you know, I'm just, you know, really happy for our players because they've worked so hard for this opportunity. Uh, they believe in themselves. But I'm also happy for our fans. I, I listened to you guys before I come on here. It, I was on the phone on, uh, on hold there, but I was listening to you. Because to me, I think they're the most loyal fans in the NFL. I mean, they're the loudest fans in the NFL, and they deserve this excitement. And and you can feel it around this great city. Uh, you know, I, I think we have the, the best ownership in, in sports with the Marin Tish family. They've been amazing since we've been here. And, uh, you know, they care so much about the people in this building. And it's it's just a it, – it, it just goes through the whole building where everybody understands their importance uh, and, and their responsibility, and they want to carry it out the best way they can, you know. So, you know, just glad to help bring a winner back to this city, and, and we're really looking forward to this weekend. Coach, uh, as I'm standing here looking at – hundreds of Giants fans all clad in giant blue and white jerseys and thinking about the passion. You know, you came from Baltimore, an organization that, you know, is steeped in defensive tradition. Well, you know, the Giants' defensive tradition goes back to the late 1940s and the 50s and throughout. Right. How important is it, uh, how cool is it for you to start creating that legacy and, and, and being in a place where, Hey, look, you know, you got the Coriel high wire act and, you know, the spread offenses and all this, but where defense is actually celebrated. Well, I, you know, it, it's exciting, Bob, because, you know, we want to represent this fan base on a defense that's tough, aggressive, and determined to be the best. You know, and as you were you stated earlier about uh, prior defenses in the past, they, they've uh, established a standard here. And like you said, uh, the fan here in New York embraces great defense. You know, our defense is built to be bullies each week. We're going to attack. You know, I've, I've said that before. That they hired the wrong guy if they, if they don't want us to attack. Now, we can attack different ways, uh, but we want to play offense on defense. Uh, you know, we're never scared. We're never going to flinch. You know, and uh, I, I think the city and the fans really do appreciate that. Hey, fans, let's give it up for Don Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator. Go Coach. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. I know you got to get back to work, but thank you so much for joining us here on Giants Playoff Preview Live. My pleasure. It's been great. Hey, make sure you guys send me a beer. Ah, we'll All right. Yeah, whatever you want, Coach. We'll make sure you bring a beer back to the facility for you. That's Don Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the New York Football Giants, joining us. Subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Features exclusive interviews with current and former players, instant reactions after every game. Insight from top analysts covering the National Football League. This week I talked with Rodney Hampton about that 1993 playoff win at Giants Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings. Plus we've got John Schmelk inside the X's and O's. And coming up on Thursday, Fox lead play-by-play man Kevin Burkhardt, who's calling the game, will join us as well. Plus Brian Dable on Friday. Find it on the Giants app. 
Giants.com slash podcast or search for it and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Tiki Barber's joined us. Bob Popper, Carl Banks. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll be joined by Giants wide receiver Darius Slayton on the Giants playoff preview live presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar on the fan. It's Giants Playoff Preview Live on The Fan, 101.9 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Blitz is on, Giants get it, Jones gets hit, throws it left, caught by Slayton, runs out of a tackle, he's got a first down to the 40, down the left side, line 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, dies for the end zone, is he in? Touchdown, Giants! Darius Slayton, 54 yards and a third and nine! And we're back here at the Blue Ale House on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar. Yeah, I lost my mind on that call as Darius Slayton went deep. Tiki joins us. Tiki, how you doing, bud? Doing, I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? We're doing great. Fans are all fired up. We got Darius Slayton live on the guest line right now here on The Fan. Darius, Bob Popper, Carl Banks, Tiki Barber, thanks for a couple minutes this evening. Um... How fired up are you, Darius, to get this first taste of playoff life? Man, I'm really excited. You know, my whole time I've been here, um, since I've been in the league, been trying to get to this point. You know, obviously, it's not hard this year to be able to earn our way to the playoffs, so I'm just excited for the opportunity. Darius, you guys have a very interesting room because the the, the wide receiver room has not been one of, of great respect, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys that have had to step in and, and make plays from week to week and it seems like you guys have, have just taken upon yourself not to prove people wrong, but just to go out and, and put up results. No doubt. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you can't control people's opinion of you personally. You can't control what people say about you, but you can't control the way you play. And at the end of the day, if we go out there and we play games and we, and we make plays to win games, then that's all that matters. You know, whatever your opinion is of us individually is what it is, but if we're winning games, you can't say nothing but we win it. So you know, that's you know, our Darius, primary focus. Yeah, Darius, I think about your relationship with Daniel Jones because from the very beginning you've been one of his favorites. How has he evolved as a leader, as a quarterback, especially under this new regime? Uh, I think probably the most like obvious thing, I think he's done an amazing job taking care of the ball this year. You know, he has very few interceptions. Uh, I think he only has like one fumble. Um, you know, he's done a great job. And then also he's just grown as a leader, you know, whether that's in the huddle or off the field in the film room. Um, you know, I think he's done a great job being vocal and, and bringing guys along. Darius, you've, you've, you know, started training camp down on the depth chart, and we don't have to talk about the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the salary restructuring and everything. But, you know, you never once complained about your, wherever you were, it seems like you, were, you decided you were going to grow where you were planted. A lot of people would have said, well, you know what, they don't like me, or I don't think that I'm getting a fair shot. For you, it was just like, listen, when my opportunity comes, I'm just going to keep, you know, I'm going to stay at the top of mind because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to continue to work hard and be, you know, be mistake-free. So that I applaud you for, but the mindset that you took coming into the year and as the, as the year began where nobody really thought you were part of the plans. What was that mindset like for you? Um, I think it just kind of goes back to how I was raised fundamentally, um, both raised in the household and on the football field. 
You know, I just I love playing ball. As long as I'm healthy and I can go out there and I can play, um, you can't take the joy of the game away from me. You know, regardless of, you know, I know they say the NFL is a business and all that type of stuff, but I just really cherish every time I get to go out there and play. And, and I know that at the end of the day, if I do my job and I show my ability, that my opportunities will come and I trust myself to capitalize on them when they come. You know, you know, Darius, when you look at this Minnesota Viking team, you guys saw him a couple of weeks ago. Daniel Jones had a heck of a day. His most passing yardage on the season, over 330 yards. I don't think they're listening to local WFAN right now, but the game plan going into this, into this playoff weekend, obviously you're on the road, so it's going to be a little bit hostile for you guys, but you guys believe that you can have the same level of success throwing the ball that you did last, last time you played them? For sure. I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to execution. If we block and we get open and we know Dan's going to put on the money, then there's no reason why we can't have the same success or similar or more success. Yeah, how confident are you guys? Because I know all the Giants fans here at Blue Ale House and across the, the tri-state area believe that the Giants are going to win. Even though you guys are a little bit of a dog, according to Vegas, I think just a field goal. I mean, the belief is that you're supposed to win this game. Where is your confidence level about moving on to the next round? Um, my confidence level is high. You know, I believe in my teammates. Um, I believe in myself. And I think we've also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Adoree didn't play that game. Xavier didn't play that game. So we've gotten some guys back. Uh, some guys in our front that are a little banged up. We played that game. They're a little bit healthier now. So... I think we've gotten some, some really good players back on top of the performance you already put out there. So, uh, you know, confidence through the roof. Darius, um, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to join us. Uh, a lot of fun being around you. We know how much you care about it and continued success. And best of luck on Sunday in, Mini in Minneapolis. Sure, appreciate you guys having me on. All right, that's number Thanks, 86, Darius Slate. Let's hear for him, huh? Joining us here at the Blue Owl House, um, Big Blue Kickoff Live is the Giants Daily Call-In Show on Giants.com every weekday from 12.30 to 1.30. And team includes Howard Cross, Jonathan Casillas. They break down the X's and O's of each and every game. It's all part of the Giants Podcast Network. Find the show on the Giants mobile app and on all popular podcast platforms. It's Big Blue Playoff Preview. Bob Papa, Carl Banks, Tiki Barber. We're going to take some of your questions. We'll get Tiki's thoughts. All that and much more coming up on The Fan. It's Giants Playoff Preview Live on The Fan. Saquon takes the snap. Saquon bounces outside. Barkley's in for the touchdown. And the Giants have the lead with 6.08 to go. The home of New York Giants football is WFAN. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Giants Playoff Preview Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. We want to thank the staff here at the Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey. Bob Papa, Carl Banks, and Tiki Barber. We're going to be here until 9 p.m. Mike Kafka, offensive coordinator of the Giants, will join us at 8 p.m. Plus DJ Envy in the second hour. Want to give out the phone number, 877-337-6666. And... Who's going to handle the questions in-house? Brandon, if you have a question and you want to answer, ask a question, line up behind Mr. Brandon London, okay? 
We'll take some of your questions. Tiki. Well, you know what? Before you get to Tiki, yeah. there's another big Giants fan who posts a lot of great videos for those who want to learn about the game. BT Breaking Tackles is in the house. Oh, BT Breaking Tackles is yes, here. Yes, there he is. There he Shout is. Shout out. BT Breaking Tackles. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right, so Tiki, um, you know, this team is, I think the best way to sum up this team is they're greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah. And it is. just goes to show you that coaching in this league matters. It does. And I think we saw pretty early on in this season that this is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach team in the NFL. And they're not perfect by any means, but they find ways to fight and stay in games and come from behind and have a resiliency about themselves that I don't think you see at a lot of different clubs. You know, we should have asked Darius Slate. You ask about, Carl, his early struggles and, you know, he was kind of an afterthought. They were trying yeah. to trade him. The same thing could be said about Kenny Galladay. I mean, sure. Kenny Galladay has been trying to get on the field all season long, trying yeah. to be relevant in some capacity, and we saw it a couple of weeks ago when he, you know, screened against Minnesota, actually. He threw a screen out there for uh, one, of the, one of those real wilds for Isaiah Hodgins, and we saw the touchdown last weekend. A guy like that could easily have just laid down and said, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to compete anymore. Nobody likes me. I'm, I don't want to compete, but that speaks to the professionalism and the, the I think the culture that they have put forth because you know when we when I joined you guys this summer was late July yeah and we just basically said what are the expectations for the team right this didn't come out <laughs> no nobody thought the no. playoffs were on the horizon growth was like the thing like if eight they and nine improve, would have been awesome right if they can improve a couple of games and then build from there but if you listen to uh, Coach Dable, this is was part of their plan. And it just speaks to coaching, like mm -hmm. you said, because a lot of teams, and you've been around them, I have, and you've talked to a lot of coaches and GMs, when they got players that get hurt, it's almost like they throw up their hands as an excuse for, well, if we lose, we didn't have the players. These guys, whatever they give them, and they're, they're doing a good job, Joe Shane and company, yeah of aligning with what this team needs, but at the end of the day, they're getting guys that are not on rosters. These guys are sitting on their couch, and they come in, and they seem to fit with what they want to do. Yeah, well, we'd be surprised if James Washington, who we just signed from the Dallas Cowboys, got cut as five catches and 40 yards yeah. on, on Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they've created a culture that makes you want to be there. It yes. makes you want to have your say and some piece of a game, even if it's not the biggest piece of the game. Now, they have their stars. Saquon has turned into turned back into the player that everybody thought he was going to be. And I remember I was out there early in training camp. You guys were there all the time. But I, we went out for a show, and Saquon told me, he's like, I love with how they're going to use me. And Joe Shane said our strongest strength, our, our biggest strength is going to be our offensive line, even though they had a lot of injuries, and our run game. Now, I didn't realize that run game would be Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones as well, yeah. who had 700-plus yards and seven touchdowns. So I think they've, they've pieced together something that makes sense, even though on paper you would say they're not nearly good enough to be a playoff team, and that's awesome. But it makes sense every week. Yes. That's the thing about it. They've created a profile that – Every week, if they do the things, they're, they're going to be in games. Yes. You know, unless they're just dramatically outmatched, which in the, the first Philadelphia game they were, Detroit outplayed them. Mm -hmm. But everyone else, they're right there. They, yeah. they have an opportunity to either get back or to win a football game. Well, I love how, especially Wink, I know you guys just chatted with Wink before I got here. Wink will tell you, 
and where he doesn't tell you, but I don't think, I don't know if he says this, but you can clearly see this kid, I'm going to put you in a position to make a play. Yeah. You're either going to make that play yeah, or, you're not, or you're not. But I'm not going to change the way I call a defense because you're not experienced enough. And right. so in some ways that empowers you. You almost feel no, like bad for letting the team down if you're put in a position to make a play, you don't go make that play. And I think that's why he feels so confident throwing, you know, zero blitzes and, you know, bringing the house and letting rookies or, or, or practice squad guys try to cover some of the best receivers in the yep. NFL man-to-man. And the thing is, he's like, just get them to the ground. If you can get them to the ground, we can play another down, you know? Right. Tiki, I want to ask you about, because Carl and I talked about this, perception and reality. So Galladay has had this god-awful season. I mean, he's done nothing since he's been a giant as far as touchdowns or anything like that. I mean. Well, he did get his first touchdown. He did, finally. There you go. But, I mean, when you think of the list of guys that have gotten their first touchdown and then some before he ever got one at his price tag, you're sitting there and you're saying, and then they kind of show him, and he's kind of sitting there. But perception is not always reality. Because what we did learn was when they, after they clinched the division and they all went out to a, nightclub restaurant in New York City, Saquon, Shepard, Kenny Galladay picked up the tab for the whole team. Yeah. Now, if you're in the tank and you're checked out, you might not even go. Yeah, I'm staying home, man. So, yeah. so it must – and then you saw the way they all were so fired up for him. He's included. Even though he's not playing, he's included. And right, that's, right. That's, that's the true definition of a team. And it's hard to, like, find the perfect combination that makes that dynamic work. But, I mean, I've been there. Carl, I'm sure you've been yeah. there. There's times I sat on the sideline when, I don't know, Sean Bennett was playing yeah. or Joe Montgomery was playing. I'm sitting there like, dude, I'm a disgruntled employee. Right? I'm not happy right now. But, but you, when my number was called, you go play. Right. And But that's, you know, you, you talk about the definition of a team, but it's also, to his credit, the definition of a teammate. Yes. Right? Yes. He didn't bring the, the mood down. Like, no. whatever his situation was, he's happy for the guys. Yeah. But he's like, I, you know, you know he wanted to try to get something on the books. But, you know, just to be a teammate in those situations, and we haven't heard anything out of the locker room no. about him being a bad guy. No, I mean, the, the hardest thing to do as a professional athlete is watch someone else do your job. Yeah. Right? It's hard to sit and watch because you know that you want to be a part of it. You know that you can be a part of it, but someone else is doing it. And, it, and to keep your mind right is a testament to the honesty, I think, of, of Brian Dable. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's not going right. to BS you and tell you, you know, it, it, this is going to happen or it's not going. He's going to tell you exactly what you need to do. And if you do it, then you're going to play. You're going to get some burn. If you sure. don't, you're going to sit there. I think the biggest example of this was the whole uh, Tay Crowder, and I forget the DV, that were – Rodarius know, Williams. Rodarius Williams that were bitching after one of those games. And, you know, he's Dave, Brian Dable said, look, I'm going to have a conversation with him. You didn't hear another thing about it. No. Right? It just got squashed like that. And not a lot of organizations or teams or coaches can handle it that way. Well, let's, uh, let's take some questions. we got some fans here at the Blue Ale House. Brandon, who do we got? Uh, we got, uh, what's your name, my man? Come on, Mike Vivolo. What's up, boys? What's up, Mike? What's up? You know, and, and before we get this started, please, everyone, be respectful when we're, when we're talking. You know, we got kids in the audience and all. <laughs> uh, you got your hair slicked up. You're ready to go right now. You got your Instagram live. Uh, ask you oh. All right, guys, Daniel Jones. Uh, in the Colts, Colts game, he had 11 carries and two rushing touchdowns. How important is Daniel Jones running the ball in this game? To me, it's one of the most important factors making plays with his feet on important downs. So Daniel Jones running the ball. Well, I'm, I'm not the offensive uh, <laughs> expert that he is, but I can tell you 
This is an offense that does what's necessary. So it's in the game plan if they need it. If Saquon Barkley is getting it done, that's what they're going to go with. But, you know, having the threat of Daniel Jones, a legitimate threat, they've got to honor it. And whether or not they use it a lot or a little, I think it's going to depend on how they get the run game going with the traditional running back. No, Carl's right. If you can hand it off to the running back and let him take the hits, do that. I mean, Daniel Jones took a couple of hits in that Colts game that made you just cringe a little bit. He hasn't quite learned how <laughs> no, to take no. the hit yet. You know, right? it's interesting because if you look at Josh Allen, who is a runner, he runs like a running back. Like, yeah. he sets you up like a running back. He tries to make you miss like a running Daniel Jones doesn't quite have that skill yet. So if Saquon can take those carries, hand it to Saquon. But I think there was an example in that Indianapolis Colts game right before halftime where you saw, like, the, the mind of, of Mike Kafka and Brian Dable working in coalition with each other, and Daniel Jones on a design QB run, they're talking about how are we going to get in the field goal position? Like, how are we going to manage our timeouts? And they're thinking about it before they even call the play. And Dable, you can read his mouth. He says on the sideline, when Daniel Jones goes down and bounds, this is where we're going to use our timeout. Well, Daniel Jones, because he's a smart runner, gets the first down and goes out of bounds, so they don't have to use the timeout. Like, there's a, there's a above the X's and O's kind of game planning relationship with 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 Kafka and Dable and, and Daniel Jones that's allowing them to be successful and if it requires running him running the football because you're you're not guarding the extra athlete on the field that is the quarterback believe me they're going to do that yeah. especially in the playoffs let's go to Frank and Scotch Plains Frank you're on big blue playoff preview live gentlemen good evening um, what's up Frank happy Wednesday hey Listen, my take on this game is not so much on the, off, on the offense side of the ball for the Giants. I know they, they need to play well, no turnovers, control the ball. But I think the Giants, I think the defense, the defensive side of the ball will win this game for the Giants. If, if they get into a shootout with Cousins and the Vikings, I, 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 I'm... No, we're not going to be in a shootout. I, I'd be very worried. Because I, Frank, I, I that's not happening. Can, <laughs> the Giants aren't going to be in a shootout. They have no, no, no reason or no want to be in a shootout. And Carl and I talked about this today. Carl comes on every week on our show, and we talked about this today. I think they've gained an advantage because of Landon Collins' health, yeah. and they use him effectively as a linebacker. He's a DB, and it looks like you have seven DBs on the field, but Landon Collins gives Wink a lot of versatility to play man coverage and sure. double whoever, double Justin Jefferson and, and, and cover T.J. Hawkinson with a qualified DB, even though he's technically sure. a linebacker. And Wink says they're positionless, right? Yeah. So he's at linebacker depth, and at any point he could be a linebacker or he could be an extra defensive back or a combination of both. Yeah, and know? I think that allows them to put pressure on Kirk Cousins because you have – uh, so much variety in the second and third level. Sure. So if, from a Wink Martindale standpoint, you know he's not going to change his M.O., no. right? Pressure, you know, pressure bust pipes. That's, that's, what, right. that's what he wants to do. <laughs> and you love it. Like, yeah, you, you, you can die by it, but, it, you know, hey. sometimes he's going to get home. You're going to make he some said, game just change. Just make the tackle. Play. If they get the play, make the tackle. Hey, that's what he wants he to do. He ran a blitz on the last play in Minnesota. I and know. Justin yeah. Jefferson got enough for them to at least line up for a kick. Brandon, we got uh, the star of last year's NFL draft, Sam Prince, is here. Sam? Thank you, Bob. You know, this game, the Giants are going to have to cover Justin Jefferson. They're going to have to contain him because they're not going to stop him. Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league. Last game, they did not have both Xavier McKinney and Jory Jackson. This game, they're going to have them both. How do you think Wink is going to use them to somehow contain him and win this ball game? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, 
Justin Jefferson is, is trending to be the best wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. He's averaging 98.5 or 6 or something like that yards per game, which is the most by, I think, 12 yards of anybody in the history of the league. So he's a great player. But I think what we're going to see is a lot of combo coverages on him. What I mean yeah. by that, you take a safety, you put him in a robber position. The safety, the robber usually just hangs around and follows the quarterback's eyes. And, but there's another way to use the robber. Double the best wide receiver, right? So it's single high, but the robber is sitting there guarding whoever the most dangerous threat is. I think we might see a lot of that. And if a Dory Jackson is playing, then, then expect them too to be on, to be on Justin Jefferson. And, and, and Carl, we, we talked about this today, you and I. Don't discount what happened last week in Philadelphia against A.J. Brown yep. and Devontae Smith where Cordell Flott, he held yep. his own. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he and, did. So now, and, and even Rodarius Williams. So now you got guys that since the last meeting against these top receivers have gained some confidence sure. playing in that environment. That's going to help too. Right, and I'll tell you guys another defensive hack. When you want to double a guy or you don't want to double a guy and they think you are, you blitz to the side that that wide receiver lines up. Yep. So you take him out of the play immediately. He's not part of the progression because when the quarterback see you blitzing off that side, he immediately has got to go somewhere else. That's a good, very good point. Yeah. Now, it's hard. You can, they, can, they can slot it in motion and do all those other things to combat that. But yeah. that's, a, that's a great one as well. But you know Wink wants to do that. Yeah, right? it's, what it's, all, it's how he's lived he's, his he's life. Multiple. He's he not going multiple. to change right. just because it's the playoffs. Exactly. It's the first time here with the New York Giants. Was your first playoff game against the Rams in 84? Uh, yes. Yeah. yes. So you was. guys won that one on the road. Then you lost to the Niners who went on Correct. to win the Super Bowl. Correct. I was just watching on TV here on MSG. They have Giants Chronicles. They were showing, like, history of the Giants and, like, wild card rounds and stuff. You, you would choose to forget your first playoff game, right, It was, it was the worst, worst feeling in the world because we, we should have won that game. Oh, easy. Against the Minnesota Vikings. We were winning at halftime. I, I ran in, so I was the first guy in the locker room, and then there was nobody else in the locker room. And I was like, what in the heck is going on here? Tito Wooten and, and I don't know, Filippi and, 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 and the Hammer. The they're fighting in the tunnel. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was a disaster in, in the second half. The Minnesota Vikings found a way to come back and beat us. But we got them back. Yeah, We oh, got them sure back did. in 2000. 41-0. You guys remember that? Anybody remember that? 41-zip? Uh, Brandon, next question. Oh, do you think Mike Kafka and Daniel Jones' offense will produce what Giants fans are looking for on Sunday evening? I do. Do you? Well, what are you looking for? <laughs> I'm looking for Daniel Jones' two touchdown passes to Kenny Galladay. Do you think uh, Kenny Galladay gets any looks? Would you settle for a victory? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. You would settle for a victory. Uh, yeah, I think they can do that. By the way, Carl, do you think Kenny Galladay will get more red zone opportunities? I believe so. I, I think so. just he, he has established... The one thing that he is known for is that 50-50, yes. body you out and get it. And he's had a few opportunities this year where Daniel didn't look that way. Mm-hmm. So down in the red zone, now a defensive back, they're saying, well, this is the guy. Yeah, I don't, look, I don't think he has the, the burst, the suddenness that he once had when he was back in Detroit. But if you go watch those Detroit touchdowns that he had, I think it was a season where he had 11 or 12, maybe even more than that, he led the league. A lot of them were red zone targets. Yeah. And a lot of them were just like you said, Carl, they were 50-50 balls. He's got a big body, and he, got to, he has a want to. And yeah. athleticism doesn't matter at that point. It's kind of just who can get to the ball first. Exactly. So I, I, I expect to see Kenny Gallon. I, didn't, I won't say two touchdowns, but I think he will get some burn. 
We're at the uh, Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey. It is Giants Playoff Preview Live, brought to you by Diet Pepsi Zero Sugar. Diet Pepsi Zero Sugar. We're all fired up. Yeah. Um, we're going to go back to the phone lines at 877-337-6666. Steve in Rockland, you're on the air, Steve. Yeah, hi, guys. How's it going? What's up, Good. Steve? Hey, Steve. Steve, you there? Yeah, yeah. Is that better? Yep, we yeah. got you. Sorry. So first thing, first, before I get to my comments, Bob, I want to tell you that I was in the car driving on the Sterling Shepard 65-yard touchdown, and your call, I, I ha not only did I have to turn the radio down, I thought something happened to the car, Bob. So that was, the, for me, the call of the year. Okay? And it was great. So two things about Daniel Jones that I am not hearing a lot of. First of all, to me, he is a football player who is playing quarterback, okay? To go along with the fact that all this talk about development and everything, no one, is, no one has used the word coachability. The idea, the, the concept that, that he is coachable, whatever they whatever's going on, he is taking the information, and he's processing it. And I'll tell you, that whole thing on the bye week when he was in, you know, when he was at the training facility the whole time, I, I mean, what, what more are people going to look for? And I think that this game on Sunday is winnable, to say the least. And, you know, maybe Kenny Galladay wants a little revenge against his uh, NFC Central foes, you know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Look, you're right about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has been well coached for a long time. David yeah. Cutcliffe was just a college coach. Obviously, that's the Manning's uh, personal coach back when they were playing, Eli and, and, and Peyton. So he knows how to play the position. There was just a lot of moving parts with coordinators sure. and head coaches and his tenure here. And I think, you know, one of the things that I hear that Brian Dable did it's kind of similar to what Bruce Arians used to do with his quarterback. Um, he would bring him to his house. He would get to know him. He would, he, would, he would develop a personal relationship so that, for instance, like in Tennessee, as we talked about, Carl, when that's happened, he yells at Daniel Jones on the sideline, you know, be smarter with your decisions. Yep. He doesn't take it personal. Right, because he knows he's just trying to make him better. He's not. He's not screaming at him because he hates him. He's screaming at him because he did something wrong. Right. right. It's, it's no different than parenting a kid. Right. No, and so yeah, I, I exactly think that right. relationship matters so much for, especially offensive-minded coach and the primary, you know, signal caller. And that's important. That that level of trust. One hundred percent. Because then you do feel accountable, not just to your coach, but to the process. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're not combating him. You're not Correct. saying, no, stop yelling at me, coach. You're, right. you're saying, like, you, you know, know what? what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> so. You're right. I should have made a better decision. Yeah. And it was there. And that's the type of relationship you, you want to have. And he's the one thing that Daniel Jones doesn't get a lot of credit for, especially playing quarterback in this town, mm -hmm. his mental maturity. Yeah. It takes a special type of mindset or mentality to play quarterback in this town because no, you're, right. you're scrutinized and you know he's been beat from pillar to post not unlike 
Eli Manning, right? They just keep going and keep going. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Going. As I met Daniel before he was drafted when he was still at Duke, and the first thing I thought was, man, he has a lot of the same personality traits sure. as Eli. And if I hadn't played with Eli, I wouldn't have thought it would have worked in New York City. Sure. And so when he got drafted, I said, look, this could work. And yeah. we saw it. His rookie season, he had, he had a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, he didn't get that Danny Dimes nickname for no reason, right? So uh, it was just a matter of finding the right, right environment for him, the right kind of skill position players around him. I think most importantly, the right coach. All right, Brandon, you have another fan here at the Blue Ale House. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, very curious. So Brian Dable came out and said that um, experience in the playoffs is, is very overrated. Just curious on what you guys think. I'm a firm believer in that. Eli over Brady twice. <laughs> well, experience is only when you have that experience, right? Um, I think the Giants have one player in the locker room that's been to a playoff game. They've got an entire coaching staff that has been to either Super Bowls or national championships. I didn't realize that until you said that. Today. Yeah, so that's the experience staff. you need. Like, you want the guy who's calling the plays and making decisions to have that experience because he's not going to make the coaching mistake, right? The players, what Coach Dable said to Bob and I on Monday, he said they don't have to worry about that. Just play what it took to win your first game is what it'll take to win this game. So whatever you put into winning is all you have to do, and the rest will take care of itself. And by the way, even if he's wrong about that, the players are believing it because he said it. Sure. Right? That's, that's, that's sure. the relationship that they have with, with their head coach. Um, experience does matter, especially for the quarterback, like the guy, the decision makers. Coaching is covered, obviously, as, as, as Carl just mentioned. Uh, but quarterbacks sometimes struggle because it's not, it's not like a linebacker or a running back. You get hit. And you get pissed, right? And you, you, know you snap into your game. The thing about it, the bigger like, what it, was your first playoff game like? How do, do you remember it? Yeah, it was a, it was a wild card game my rookie year. I and, ended up getting in a fight in the game. It was just a game. That's what I mean. You got to no fight. I, I would fight in any game, so it you weren't matter. fighting Eric Dickerson, were you? <laughs> no, but the thing was, who won? When you have some level of leadership on your team yeah and when they prioritize preparation there's not a lot of time mm -hmm. unless you're caught up in the hype right and there are players that will get caught up in the hype but when you are when, when the mandate all year has been focus and let's do our job the extraneous stuff just doesn't creep in like yeah. In the media availabilities, they don't come in like they used to. Like, they got a little more structure to yeah. the access to the guys. But, yeah, experience is good if you can get it. Yeah. How yeah. about that? Yeah, that's right. All right, round of applause here for number 21, future Hall of Famer Tiki Barber. From your ears. Tiki's got to get out of here. Thank Appreciate you, guys. Appreciate Tiki. Appreciate you guys. Tiki and Tierney, you can hear them here on the fan. We're going to be back. Mike Kafka joins us to kick off the 8 p.m. Eastern Hour here at WFAN. Giants playoff preview live brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved, zero never tasted so good. Mike Kafka joins us at 8 p.m. here on the show. It's Giants playoff preview live on the fan. Jones rolls to his left, gets a block from Thomas. He's to the five. Jones races in. Touchdown, Giants. The home of New York Giants football is WFAN. The fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. 
along with Carl Banks, Paul Papa back at Blue Owl House in Riverdale, New Jersey. This is Giants Playoff Preview Live. It's brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved zero. Never tasted so good. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to be joined by Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, plus DJ Envy is going to join us here on the program as well. And Carl, getting ready here for uh, this game on Sunday. I know you've been studying a lot of tape. Um, I encourage everybody that's out there, if you have MSG, if you have a cell phone, if you have a computer, you go to the Giants mobile app, all the Giants platforms, you can watch the show on MSG. It's uh, the Coach Dable show. Yes. And there's a segment that you do every week called Strategy where you go to the coach's tape and you kind of break things down for the fans. You yep. know, like, hey, here's what this guy does well. Here's what that guy does well on the other team. These are routes they like to run. These are things they like to do defensively. This week when you took a look at the Vikings, you didn't go so much into that. You went into technique. Talk a little bit about what the Giants have to do this week against the run game in order to have a chance to win this game. Well, you know, like Wink Martindale said, they, they look at film just like their opponent, and their opponent looks at their film. And when Minnesota cuts on their tape, <clears throat> they're going to feel like they can run the football because at the second level of the Giants' defense, they did not fare well. And it wasn't because they were overpowered. It was things as simple as <clears throat> formation recognition, uh, things that will give you a tip on where the ball's going to go, or as simple as if there's one back in the backfield and there's no jet motion and there's, the quarterback is no threat to be a RPO guy, he's the only guy that's going to get the ball. Follow the guy who's going to get the ball, right? Wasted motion, um, not playing downhill. But when you look at this strategy session this time around, it's more granular. It's kind of, I don't want to call it a master class, but it's advanced linebacking for dummies. And you'll be able to see, and, and, and I'm sure they're, they're, they're going over the same things I am because they have great coaching staff, but things that are easily fixable but easily exploited by the Minnesota Vikings if they don't get it corrected. I assure you, when they look at some of the runs they had and look at the film and say, we passed it on a fourth and short. We should have run it. And as a matter of fact, we should have run it a lot more. So you can expect the Minnesota Vikings to give the Giants a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook until they stop it. And I think it's, it's incumbent upon the Giants to look at this tape and say, oh, we can't give that up. Our inside stretch run, we got to press that. We can't be off the line of scrimmage and getting blocked five yards down the field because it leaves too big of a crease for the runner to go through. So there are a lot of those things that they have to do. And even on the coverage and coverage responsibilities, you're not out of position, but you're not quite in position. You've got to be intentional. When they give you something, be intentional because there are a lot of plays that could have been made just by, you know, slight hesitation that uh, one of the players had in coverage. So I would suggest to all of you that are here that consider yourselves like X's and O's and fans of sort of the art of the play or those that are listening on WFAN or on uh, Odyssey. 
Um, check out the TV show or on the Giants social media platforms when they put the strategy segment up because if you really want to feel like you're a player on a football team and you're being talked to by your position coach or your coordinator, Carl takes on that role this week and really points out what made him a two-time Super Bowl champion and a Hall of Fame player because the attention to detail that you get into that it's only through film study not only what the coaches pointed out but what guys study when they're at home when they take the film home and they look at night and they watch the tape something that I didn't even notice mm-hmm. that you brought up in this thing Dalvin Cook was lined up to the left of Cousins Cousins motioned him over to the right he lined up to the right of Cousins but he went two different two, alignments two different steps wider yeah which for you as a player said for me as a linebacker ding, that ding, 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 right. outside run so and, and for you guys listening you'll see me diagram this in our strategy session but they're in a shotgun dalvin cook is on um kirk cousins left his normal alignment is behind the offensive guard he gets he gets shifted over by cousins nonchalantly he lines up but he's over the tackle this time, which is wider. And if you're a linebacker and you see that's not the normal alignment, which they did it so casually, an untrained eye would think he was in the same position. But he was closer to the edge, which meant this is either going to be an outside run or he's going to run a wheel route. Because they moved him out there for They didn't move him out that wide on the other side of the ball to run him back across the football or inside. So when you see these things... And these are the things that the Giants linebackers have to pay attention to when you have a back of that nature. You need something that is a tell. And it's easy to do, you know, it's easy to, easy to not to see that when you just say, oh, he's offset, he shifted from, right, from left to right. No, it's where did he shift to, right? And it was so casual, but when you know his normal alignment and shotgun is behind the guard, and he shifts over, and he's as wide as the tackle. I mean, obviously wide. If you're not paying attention, you won't see it. But if you're paying attention, you're like, wait a minute. He's not in the same position he was on us. Something's up. And it's going to be on the outside of our defense. So we get into that a great deal. And this, these are the things that, you know, this defense has to be uh, pay attention to. And these are the things that the coaches, when they go into the, the tendencies, right, you know, there's a thing, analytics, right? They can tell you the frequency of certain things. But these are the things, these are the heartbeat things that analytics can't cover, right? When you look and you see a difference in alignment, and then you know it's going to be an outside run. Now, analytics will tell you they may run the ball 18 times when he's to the right. But if he's to the right, the other 45 times, they don't know. But you can tell when, just by his alignment and everything stacks up perfectly. Landon Collins talked about that after his pick six against Indianapolis. He said, you know, I'm watching the film, I'm watching the film, I'm watching the film, I'm looking at tendencies, and they like to run that out on this down and distance from that hash mark in this situation. And as soon as I saw the receiver, he gave a tell, and I knew I could undercut that thing because that was the first read for the quarterback was. And it's almost like he baited it because he knew that was what they wanted to do from watching film, being coached 
but also taking the time to watch it on his own. Right, and that's, you know, the beauty of having a guy like Landon Collins who's played the deep field and he's played up close to the line of scrimmage. He understands passing concepts, right? So he knew when he got that alignment, he knew what the possibilities of, of that route and all the other film study he put in just confirmed that he should go and take a jump on this ball and get the interception. Obviously, the Giants and Vikings played a tight one a couple of weeks ago on Christmas Eve, and you know Minnesota wins on a 61-yard field goal. Carl, these games, you played in a ton of playoff games. You know it better than anybody. When you get to the playoffs, you get teams that are good enough to get to the playoffs. The games tend to be tight, which means there's a handful of plays, six, maybe seven sure. plays in the game that will define really who's going to win the football game. And in that first meeting, look, the Giants fumbled in plus territory. They threw an interception in plus territory. They dropped two interceptions, and they dropped a big third and five. They didn't make any of the plays that mattered. Sure. Is it simple enough to say if they make half those plays this time around, they can win? Sure. I mean, that, that's, that's a, a, a realism, a reality, I should say, because we know who the... Minnesota Vikings are, and they know who the Giants are, and their styles are compatible. So you can say it's going to come down to two or three plays or, or three out of six makeable plays because they're not changing a lot of who they are. The fundamentals of who they are, they are. So if you can make those plays, you're going to have a chance. Along with Carl, thanks, Bob Papa. So glad you could join us. Blue Ale House. Here in uh, Riverdale, New Jersey, fans are all fired up. Giants playoff preview live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. We'll take a timeout. Mike Kafka is going to join us. We're going to take some questions from the fans here as well. All here having a little fun talking Giants playoff football. Oh, we're not going to take the break. We're going to uh-huh. keep it right here. The offensive coordinator of the New York Giants, Mike Kafka, is ready to go as he joins us on Giants Playoff Preview Live. Coach Bob Papa, Carl Banks, thanks for a couple minutes this morning. How are you? Or this afternoon or this evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Coach, congratulations on uh, the job that you guys have done all year and getting the team to focus no matter what the circumstances are. You've come up with game plans that have you know, given yourselves a chance to, to win football games and the thing that I, I must ask you, though, is, you know, as a coordinator, there's a lot of moving parts when they're not injuries, but you guys have had them in the offensive line and you've had them at the wide receiver position. And what is the process of, like, next man up? I mean, really, you don't seem to change a lot. You always seem to have a lot of options available to whoever's out there on the field, and they seem to produce. What is that process like? From, from your, your behind your desk? Yeah, you know, I'd say, um, I'd say first and foremost, you know, I really appreciate, number one, the, uh, the work our, 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 our assistants do, right? Our coaching staff, I have a great staff. These guys spend a bunch of time, not only one with the players, but number two, helping build this game plan together that we're all, you know, unified with. And then the second part, I'd say, is the players for – having the flexibility and the mental capacity to kind of work through things like that and, and have that, like you said, next man up mentality, step up, learn their assignments, and then go out and execute. You know, it certainly, um, it certainly makes it easier as a coordinator when you have smart players that you trust 
that that can go in there and, and in tough situations and go out and execute fast. And you know, we we throw a lot at them. You know, from an install standpoint, in, in the spring, and we, then we get into the regular season, and you know, we try and trim things down and and give ourselves as much flexibility to be able to to have answers to attack a defense really in any way we can. So, you know, having smart players definitely definitely helps that. Coach, you. You have players that weren't even on the roster in training camp. You have guys that are late additions to your roster, especially at the wide receiver uh, position. And you talked about your staff. And one guy who's had that task has been Mike Grow. I mean, he's the receivers coach, and it seems like his guys come out prepared every week. And I just inside story, I'm, I'm not shocked because his father was one of the greatest teachers of linebackers that this game has ever seen. And I think he's a chip off the old block because, you know, those wide receivers, whoever it is, and I know it's a collective effort, but right. he's the day-to-day contact with those guys. And it just seems like whoever's out there stays ready and you're not hesitant to make, make calls. And, you know, the, the quarterback makes a decision and those guys make the catches. Yeah. I mean, those guys have done a great job with it. Coach Crow certainly is um, is heading that group and making sure everyone is detailed with their assignments and putting those guys in the right spot and, and just, you know, continually just trying to teach, continuing trying to help those guys grow as players and as men. And, you know, we're thankful to have not only Coach grow, but, again, just like I said, like a, a, such a smart group and just create just really intelligent football players um, on that, on that, in that room. Coach, I want to ask you about, uh, Daniel Jones, who had a fantastic year this year. Um, you know, listen, since he got drafted here by the Giants, he's been through a bunch of different systems, a bunch of different coaches, and then you guys came in trying to implement what you want to do. Just talk a little bit about working with him and the growth that you've seen in him as we've gone through this season. Yeah, DJ's done a great job. I'm really, I'm really proud of him. And, you know, obviously from afar – you get to see a young, you know, when I was in Kansas City and seeing a young player, you know, have some success and kind of go through some struggles and then being able to have an opportunity to work with him. And, you know, I did my research on him and watched the tape on him and, you know, was looking at his interviews and the kid was just so well-spoken and you can tell that the game really means a lot to him. And, and then getting to be able to work with him and seeing how much, um, how much time he puts into it, how much time he puts into the studying and the film work and, um, how much prep he does um, in the weight room and for his body and, you know, just how he is around the players and the guys. And, you know, he's just a true pro. And I'm just really proud of the fact that, you know, we get to, we get to work with him every day. He comes to work every day prepared. He works his butt off. And then, you know, he asks great questions. And he's one of those guys that, as a coach, you really appreciate because he's always, he's always going to challenge you and, and make sure you're, you're prepared and, and give him the answers, and he he continues to push you as a coach, which is which is awesome. Is what you want. It's what the you know the best guys ever been around. They've done that. Mike, um, just to follow up on that, you know, Phil Simms once said the quarterback's got to be the toughest guy on the team, and it doesn't have to be a guy that screams a la a Marino or you know a, a Tom Brady. You know, you got to be tough in your own way, and and it appears that Daniel has won that respect from the locker room like his predecessor Eli Manning did but doing it in his own skin yeah yeah absolutely I think every every quarterback every player has to do that you know you have to go out there and be you not try and be somebody else or someone else you see on TV 
Um, and, you know, Dan does a good job with that. He's his own guy. And um, I think I think what you said is, is true. I think that's something that I noticed right away off the tape, even from afar, how tough he was. And, um, you know, you know, he, he is not only just physically tough, but he's a mentally tough kid. And, um, you know, those are one of the, one of his, I think one of his best attributes, one of my favorite attributes about him is that he's a tough kid. Coach, can you talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley too? Because, you know, he's, he's a guy who's had to battle adversity as well too, and a new system for him, an offensive line that uh, didn't produce the year before, and he comes out this year obviously determined to do and to prove that he is the, the running back for the New York Giants. Can you talk a little bit about how he goes about his job and his sense of leadership? Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of um, I speak on that as well. Like he's he's a captain. He's one of our captains for our team. So obviously, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. But he's handled it the right way. He came into camp just um, in great shape. He came into camp ready to learn. Was open to new things and and new ways of thinking about whether it's the run game, the pass game, how we pass protect. And he just he just dove into all that information. Coach DeAndre Smith has done a great job with him of, of simplifying it, right, and just making sure he's seeing it through the same eyes, same set of eyes, whether it's through the quarterback's eyes, whether it's through the offensive line's eyes. Like, uh, those guys are all intertwined, and, um, you know, all those responsibilities work together. And so I think Saquon's done a nice job of, of being in front of that. Coach, final question for me. We're talking with offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Um, you know, you played them just a couple weeks ago. You obviously had some success against their defense. How much more work this week is it kind of doing a deep dive into, all right, let's see from their past some wrinkles they may throw at us that we didn't see when we met them on Christmas Eve? Yeah, yeah, you have to vet all that stuff and, and pull up as much tape as you can, study as much as you can on, you know, any kind of tendencies you can find. That's, that's really what we, what we do all week. Um, all the way up until the game is to see if we can find an edge anywhere, um, whether it's personnel grouping, whether it's a formation, a motion, a shift, like anywhere we can find an edge, we're always looking for those type of things. So, yeah, we spent a bunch of time diving through that. And we got, again, we have a great staff that's filtering it. Everyone kind of has their areas. And then, um, you know, we got a great support staff as well that helps build those cutups for us. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. I know that uh, it's a busy night for you, a busy week for the entire staff. Thank you for taking time to join us here tonight, and best of luck on Sunday. Thank you very much. Thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Coach. Great to have you. That's Mike Kapka, the offensive coordinator of the New York football Giants. We're going to take a timeout when we come back on Giants Playoff Preview Live, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar. We're going to an answer some questions from the audience here. DJ Envy is going to join us on the phone. That and much more here on WFAN. It's Giants Playoff Preview Live on the fan. Saquon takes the snap. Saquon bounces outside. Barkley's in for the touchdown, and the Giants have the lead with 6.08 to go. The home of New York Giants football is WFAN. The fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Back to Giants Playoff Preview Live. It's brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. We're at the Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey. Bob Popple along with Carl Banks. Interesting chatting with Darius Slayton, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka. We had Tiki here. Carl, 
We're going a little different direction right now. DJ Envy of the Breakfast Club joins us. Yeah, big Giants fan and um, obviously one of the premier voices and uh, thought provokers and th thought provocateurs in the tri-state area, and, uh, and I consider him a friend. Envy, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, fellas? How's everything? Good, good, man. It's been a while since this uh, this giant team has been to the playoffs. How does that? How does that, as a, a celebrity fan, make you feel? Um, I mean, it's very exciting. I mean, I'm a huge, of course, Giants fan, and I've been taking my kids to the games for the last couple of years, even when we were losing. So to be winning and to be back in, in the playoff season, the wild card, and not only that, I think what the Giants have been doing in the last year, where they're getting the city involved and getting the fans involved, and it's just an excitement we haven't seen in a long time. So I'm loving every aspect of it. So as a Giants fan, what has been, obviously you got the Super Bowl runs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, as a player, I've had my moments during my era but this era of Giants football, which resonates with you, what has been that moment? It doesn't have to be a game. It could be that time you DJed a party or you met so-and-so out somewhere. What has been your, your most memorable Giants moment outside of just going to a game? Um, well, it would have to be two. One would, of course, be uh, Victor Cruz, who is a, a Jersey, you know, from Patterson, New Jersey. Sure. Just seeing him out and about, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, and I'm seeing it more with Saquon. I'm seeing it more with a lot of the other players. I love the fact when the players actually touch the community. You see it in all these different markets where the players go out and whether it's their favorite restaurants or the mall or community events where they're giving back. I love to see that. And you see that a lot with Victor Cruz, especially since he's from Patterson. And Patterson is right around the corner from where the Giants play. So you would see him out and about uh, doing giveaways, doing backpack drives and turkey giveaways and even teaching the kids how to do his, his favorite dance. That was big. And then when Odell was here, you know, uh, now, one thing about Odell, Odell loved the nightlife, and he would be out all the time. But I always think that's a good thing because I think besides the games and besides them winning or losing, I love when the city really backs the players and backs the teams. And it's I'm starting to feel that again, which is like a feeling like no other. Yeah, it is, Envy. And, you know, like I said, during the era I played, it was similar because, you know, we are fans of entertainers, right? And mm -hmm. And we don't know what level the entertainer is of us, right, of, of, of athletes. It's a lot more prevalent today, but my moment was meeting Run DMC outside of a nightclub, Pepper Johnson and I, and we get out of our car, and it's DMC jumps out of his limo, and he's screaming our name like a regular fan. And we're like, we're like huge fans. And, you know, Pepper and, and uh, God rest his soul, Jam Master Jay, became best of friends because Pepper was a DJ and he used to try to scratch uh -huh. like, uh, uh, like Jay. And it was, it was just the most amazing thing. And then we go into this club and it's like, you know, the who's who of celebrities are like, oh, we big fans. Right. And it was just the most incredible thing. And now, you know, the access obviously is a lot easier now in terms of how people communicate on social media and everything. But... It is, it is really such a great feeling when, you know, you have, um, I would just say, 
pop culture, New York pop culture, loving you in, in, in this sport and in this city is the thing that is, is unparalleled in any other city. Yeah, I love that. And I love seeing, you know, I love seeing the celebrities at the game. I mean, I'm at the game and I'm seeing, I'm seeing Carmelo Anthony. I'm seeing Fabulous. I'm seeing Fabio Forward. So I'm seeing younger artists. I'm seeing older artists, Tracy Morgan. Uh, it's so many different people at the games. And the games are, are fun. I mean, you're, you're going from, you know, from the, the 300 section to the 100 section to the suites and you're running into everybody. But this excitement is back in New York and that's what I'm loving the most. How did you, how did you enjoy because you've DJed a lot of places in a lot of arenas, right. but like to be a fan and you get a chance to really rock the crowd in MetLife Stadium, how was that for you? You know, it's very difficult, and I'll tell you why. It's MetLife is so many different people, young, old, uh, different backgrounds. So you're trying to play for everybody. You're trying to keep the crowd hype. And then you're trying to watch the game as well. So it's so much going on because you're trying to take it all in. Because, you know, when you go to the game, by the time you get through parking and security and get in, it's almost game time. But you're there actually early set up. So you get to see the players practice and them taking their, you know, their sprints and them stretching. And it's, it's just so entertaining because you don't get to see that a lot. And then when you're DJing during the game, although that's your job and that's what you're there for, you're really into the game. So you're yelling, you're screaming, and they're like, Envy, go. And you're like, wait, wait, I'm watching. Let me see what's happening. Let me watch the, you know, the replay. But, you know, it, it, it was, it, it's a lot. And, and, and they show so much love in, you know, New York, New Jersey. So I love it every time. So your, your breakfast club mate is a Dallas Cowboy fan. Oh, yes. How is, like, do you tell him that his quarterback is, or do you play some of the clips that you see on, some of the sports shows when they just trash his quarterback? Is there oh, a rivalry like that? Yes, all day long. I mean, we go back and forth, and uh, it's, it's, it's always horrible when, when, the, when the cowgirls, excuse me, the cowboys play the Giants, and they do win. <laughs> um, it's always horrible because I have to go to work and, and face him. Or it's always horrible if my team loses one week and his team wins that week. But, yes, we go back and forth hard. And every time, you know, his quarterback is, is missing throws or, uh, you know, his, his running back is, is not doing well or the defense just falls off after having, a, you know, a first good couple of games and all of a sudden, you know, they're doing pretty bad. I'm not going to say trash, but doing pretty bad. Yeah, I talk about it all the time, but he also does the same with me. So, yeah, we go back and forth all the time. And that's one thing we never agree on. We probably will never go to the game together. We'll never watch a game because we go back and forth and we talk smack all morning long. It gets a little personal at times. Oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, that's what fandom is all about, right? Whether you're a celebrity or not, fandom is fandom. And you got to give your, your opponent, your op, a little bit of, uh, of the business. But we really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us, Envy. And not only that, but we appreciate your fandom and your participation in, you know, making sure our, our fans had a good time in, in uh, MetLife Stadium, and we hope to have you back doing more and more because, you know, your, your fandom is important and, and pop culture is important. Man, when I appreciate you, I appreciate all the Giants fans, and I appreciate the Giants and everybody in that organization that show me so much love. And anytime I have an idea, you guys ride with it. And I just want to say I appreciate you, and especially you. You know, you, you've always had my back from the beginning, so I just want to say thank you. And uh, let's get this victory. We almost had the win. When we played the Vikings a, a couple of weeks ago, we should have had that win. There was a couple of mistakes that we made that 
you know, couldn't, but I think we'll fix those mistakes. We'll be good money, and then, you know, it, it'll be the road to the, to the Super Bowl. Hey, and you know what you could do? You could invite your broadcast partner to the Super Bowl when the Giants get there because his team hasn't been there in a quarter of a century, and the Giants have been <laughs> to three of them since. <laughs> and I tell him that all the time. Wait, and do, and do the show from the Giants Hotel. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> DJ Envy, we appreciate a couple minutes. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Definitely will. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, sir. Great having you. Draft season is the... Giants year-long NFL Draft podcast. Keep up with the latest ongoing college football, NFL Draft. No matter what team you root for, John Schmelk and Tony Pauline will track the draft process. It's all part of the Giants Podcast Network. Find the show on the Giants mobile app, giants.com slash podcast, and on all popular podcast platforms. We're here at Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey. Bob Popo along with Carl Banks. name of the program is Giants Playoff Preview Live. It's brought to you by Pepsi. Zero sugar. When we come back, Bob, yeah, I'm going to be leaving you soon, so it's going to be John Smelk in the seat. Are you leaving, like, right now? Not right now, but soon. So when we come back, we got some people queued up to answer some questions. All right. That coming up next on WFAN. It's Giants Playoff Preview Live on the fan. Jones rolls to his left, gets a block from Thomas. He's to the five. Jones races in. Touchdown, Giants. The home of New York Giants football is WFAN. The fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Hey, you're listening to Giants Playoff Preview Live. It's brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good at the Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey. Great turnout by the Giants fans. Where's my man Brandon London? I got Carl Banks by my side. Brandon, it's your time to do your thing. We got a bunch of fans here that want to ask Carl some questions before Carl has got to make a break. So, Brandon, who do we got? Ask the questions. Here we go right here. What's your name, ma'am? Hi, my name is Laura from Sparta. Thanks, guys, for coming up here. She's got the Brian Dable shirt on. Yeah. So my question is, if you are the Minnesota Vikings, what are you going to do to slow down the New York Giant offense? You know, that's a a good (laughs) question. Um, They're going to attack the inside of the Giants offensive line. They're going to – the center from guard to – Guard to guard, that triangle is where they're going to attack. That's where most teams try. Uh, the Giants have fared pretty good the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles were going for the sack record, all-time sack record. They needed four. They got zero uh, last game, and they didn't. They needed two to set the record. Three, three to tie it, four to make it. Right. And so they did. They did a great job against the Eagles. And they're getting better each and every week. So I, I like what they're doing. That's, but that's where they're going to start, trying to attack. And, and I think just to follow up on, on her point, Carl, is this. You know, what are they going to do against the Giants? You know, let's not forget, Minnesota was ranked dead last in defense until this past weekend. Sure. And now they're ranked 31st. And they're one of the worst teams against the pass. You know, the, the, the burden is on them to figure out sure. a way to play better. I think the Giants have a lot of say in a lot of this in the sense that Minnesota's defense, when you're ranked 31st over 17 games, it means you've been bad. Yep. 
And I think having Mike Kafka on earlier, um, I, I think the Giants are going to throw some wrinkles at him and, and exploit what their weaknesses are, which is the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, and again, they all watch film, though. And they're going to they're gonna want to try to show that they're not as bad as that 31st ranking. And it's on any given Sunday, but it's up to the Giants to exploit that to make them and remind them that they are a bad pass defense. Brandon, you got another one for us? Oh, we got another right here, Bob. What's going on, guys? Uh, you're the best in the business. Looking forward to hearing you guys call Sunday and hopefully three games after that. So my question's about uh, going into Minnesota. What's the environment going to be like having just played there a few weeks ago? Um, obviously, I wouldn't call it an advantage because Minnesota still has home field advantage, but is there a benefit to having played there a few weeks ago? doesn't happen a lot in the playoffs, especially against a non-division opponent. Yeah, for, familiarity certainly helps, right? It's a hostile environment, but as Bob said, they felt the punch. The Giants have felt that punch. They know what the crowd is going to be like. Um, they know what the competition is going to be like. So it helps. Instead of walking into a hostile environment, not knowing what you're walking into, they know. They know what their silent snap counts should be and, and how to operate because this crowd does get into it. Good question. Yeah, I think, you know, and it was hyped up on Christmas Eve. Yeah, oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. they were, and they, and they got the some out. things going. Yeah, they had the whiteout. They even had fake snow coming down yeah. from the ceiling, which I think is still in my bag. I couldn't get it all out. <laughs> but so the Giants, you're right. So the Giants have had a chance. They're not going in there no matter how loud it gets, no matter how many times they scream skull and they do the whole thing with the Viking. They've already experienced it. Yep. And it was only a couple weeks ago. Yep. Let's get one more before Carl's got to go. Here we go. Hey, guys. So Jared Davis, the linebacker they signed from the Lions practice squad, uh, he looked really good against the Eagles, uh, was making plays left and right. Uh, Carl, I just wanted to know your thoughts on him and if you would want to play him over Jalen Smith next week. Well, I could play him beside Jalen Smith. You know, um, he was very impressive against the Eagles. He ended up with, uh, I think, 10 tackles. He was very active. Uh, plays downhill, which is something that the Giants desperately need from that linebacking crew. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a part of what they do in Minnesota, especially if uh, Minnesota decides that Dalvin Cook is going to be uh, used heavily in the run game. He's got to factor in that. Good question. Hey, uh, Famous 58's got to get rolling. How about a roll. round of applause here for two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Beck? Thank you, guys. And right. John, I will hand it to you. Yeah, John Schmelk, who you can see on the Giants Huddle podcast, and Paul Dottino, who you watch him on uh, Big Blue Kickoff and all that other stuff on the Giants platforms. Joining us right now on Giants Playoff Preview Live, presented by Pepsi Zero Sugar. And uh, we're going to take some more questions. We're going to be here until 9 o'clock, and then Keith McPherson until 2 a.m. here on WFAN. Bobby, by the way, he just mentioned Jared Davis. I talked to him in the locker room for about eight minutes today. And keep this in mind, too. He came from the Lions in the NFC North. He is extremely familiar with the Minnesota Vikings. And he knows what they like to do. This is his third game of the year that he's prepared for against the Vikings. And we talked about Kirk Cousins, how if you show him some things he's not expecting and you pressure him on those plays, 
He does have the tendency to throw it up for grabs sometimes if the secondary can turn those throws into picks, which they weren't able to do in the first game. They'll try to do it in this game. Yeah, I mean, they dropped two interceptions. The Cordell flot drop was huge because it would have been a change of possession, giant ball in the plus territory with momentum. Instead, Minnesota goes down the field, and they wind up throwing a touchdown pass to uh, Justin Jefferson, which widened that lead a little bit. Paul, your sense, you were in the locker room today. Um, very confident Giant team, isn't it? Yeah, it's been that way actually ever since the game in Philadelphia the other day. Even in the locker room after the Eagles game, when all the reserves played and gave Philadelphia all they could handle, you got the impression that this Giants team was really looking forward to this week of preparation because Brian Dable has preached consistency all along. They're not treating this any differently than they did all year. As Coach said, you do what you have to do to get here, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again. They know they can play with Minnesota. Let's not kid ourselves. They know that. They showed that. They got sloppy that day, and they blew the game. So I think these guys are very assertive and confident and looking forward to this one. His line all week, Bob. What, ta what it takes to win in September is the same thing that it takes to win in the playoffs. And that's, yeah. what, he's, that's what he's been preaching to his team. Right, and you get a punt blocked, you're probably going to lose. And that's what happened in the Minnesota game. Let's go back to our audience here at Blue Ale House. Brandon, who you got? Yeah, here we go. Come, come on this come on, side Brandon. right here you, with me, man. Come go on, let me, let me see that Brandon thing. How you doing? My name is Robert. I have a question. Um, it's good what name. are the three key factors leading to a Giants win this week? John? With three key factors, uh, I think one thing they did really well in that first game, Bob, he had no sacks, but Dexter Lawrence was dominant. He was in the backfield all game. He had a three quarterback hits. Now, they're going to have a different center. Austin Schlotman's not playing for them anymore. Chris Reed could be the center, and there's also a chance that Bradbury, their starter, is back for this game. So that's one, I With think. With a bad back. Correct. He has a bad back. So we'll see who plays at center. The other thing I think is interesting, and I talked to Chris Sims about this on the Giants Huddle podcast today, the Giants in that first game, Bob, dropped back 52 times and ran it just 17 times. It's not like the Vikings are good against the run. You know, Saquon Barkley rushed for six yards per carry in that game. He just ran it 14 times. So, Paul, I'm curious to see how much the Giants decide to maybe balance that run-pass balance out a little bit more. You know, you can still throw it a lot, but maybe if you cut that down, go from 52 to 38, maybe you cut down a couple of those turnovers, Saquon gets to 120 rushing, and maybe you have a little bit better balance. Yeah, I think the Giants could use the passing game, actually, to open up the run. We've talked about that a number of times this year, and occasionally they've been able to do that. I think they do need to work that against Minnesota. But my matchup, guys, is, um, is only Udo the right tackle for the Minnesota Vikings who's replaced O'Neal. O'Neal only gave up four sacks last year. He was a pro bowl, a pretty solid player. He was really good in that first game. He was, but here's the problem for Udo. Last year, he got called for 16 penalties, 12 of which were holding penalties. He tied for the second most penalties in the NFL. This guy is a very bad liability for Minnesota's offensive line. He's going to be opposite Aziz Ojolari. Now, he played pretty well the last two weeks, but his history is not good. It's You're not good. right. And then, Paul, Bob, on the other side, the Giants right tackle Evan Neal. He had issues with Daniil Hunter in that first he game. He did. He and did. That entire right side of the Giants' offensive line struggled. They're going to have to fix that up against Hunter and Zadarius Smith. So you asked for three keys. We gave you about 14. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Brandon, who we got? What's your name, my man? Doug from Popton Plains. All right, go ahead. Uh, so you guys, you guys have been around the game a long time, and uh, just coming off the last game, coming into this game, I just wanted your opinion. Do you think they lost momentum by sitting the starters last game and kind of taking it easy, taking those guys out out of their usual routine? 
or what was your what's your opinion on like the rest factor or just kind of keeping the momentum going? What do you think? Well, you got no chance to win this game on Sunday if Daniel Jones would have gotten hurt, right? I mean, look at Mike Williams of the Chargers. He got hurt. They didn't really need the game with the way the other game was going, and now who knows what he's going to do against the Jaguars on Saturday. You had to keep Saquon. You had to keep Jones. You had to keep you had to keep your stars player Dexter Lawrence available to play. The way the game played out, I think the Giants gained momentum as a franchise because, yeah. remember, Philadelphia's starters played the entire game because they needed the one, number one seed in the bye, and the Giants' reserve players went toe-to-toe -to -toe and put the fear of God in them. And I think what that has done is it's energized this entire locker room, and now there's guys that were deeper on the depth chart that if they got to go in and play against Justin Jefferson or Thielen, well, they just went against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They just went against Miles Sanders. They just went against Jalen Hurts. On the other side, they just went against Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and the two corners and had success. So I think that game energized the entire locker room. And I don't think one week is going to break rhythm. If you're a bye and you're taking two straight weeks with nobody playing, then you run into issues. One week, I think you're fine. Fellas, I would add one more thing, and that is a lot of Giants have been playing hurt. They've been playing sore. They've been banged up. A lot of guys have their gas tank on low, near empty. Not this guy, though. Not me. Never me. <laughs> they needed this week off. They needed this bye week so that they could take a pit stop, refuel, get the oil in the engine, and put more air in their tires. Next question. We're running out of time. Uh, outside of Adoree Jackson coming back from injury, who's going to make the biggest impact coming back from injury? Uh, I think Ojolari because he only played seven snaps in the Colts game. So this week off, the Giants played the game without Xavier McKinney the last time. I think that was a big factor. Yeah, Leonard Williams, I know he played in the last game. He didn't play last week. He had two sacks. Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram are their two guards. They struggled against Leonard Williams. I think he could have a big game. I like Ojolari. I think that matchup against Udo is a really good one for the Giants. All right, uh, listen. I want to get your thoughts real quickly here. We've got less than a minute. Yep. Um, how do you see the game play out? How do you, what do you see the final result? These two, games have play, these two teams have played close games all year. The Vikings haven't lost when the Giants have been good in these spots too. I think the Giants protect the ball better, and they're the ones that come out ahead in a close game this week. Paulie Dots, what yeah, do you think? I like the Giants leading close in the middle of the fourth quarter, then going in on a touchdown drive that will give them a comfortable lead in the final minutes. I think it will work out very well. All right, we want to thank a uh, round of applause here for the entire staff at Blue Ale House rolling out the red carpet. A big thank you for all the Giants fans here as well. Round of applause for you. Thanks for showing up. And you know what? Let's get a win on Sunday, and let's do this again somewhere else in New Jersey. That's right. Let's go. And preview another playoff game. Keith McPherson until 2 a.m. is coming up next. Giants Playoff Preview Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. For John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Carl Banks, and Tiki Barber, I'm Bob Papa. Thanks for joining us here from the Blue Ale House. Enjoy the game, everybody. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.